Many voices are more powerful than one. When we share ideas, developments, and power, we can achieve anything. Welcome to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. Your hosts are Deetta Jones and Richard Dent. Together, they have made a worthy life that includes a family, two businesses, a foundation, and much more. They're ready to help you find your personal success. Now, here are Deetta and Richard. Hello and welcome to DJ and Dub Air. I'm Dieta Jones, your host. I'm a social justice advocate, leadership and organizational effectiveness coach, speaker and author. And I am joined by my better three quarters, NFL legend and pro football Hall of Famer, Richard Dent. Hello, Richard. Hello, hello. How's it going? Good, good. It's nice to be in D.C. Yeah. Ladies and people here, so it's it's a family of, of sports and football. You know, it's important to work together as a unit, but also, you know, you have your family of life, of the lady in your life, and and the uh, kids and all that you have. That's just important to also support their needs as well. So this is this is a great uh, uh, conference here to be able to, you know, chat in a little bit, chat and talk a little bit. Oh, I just want to kiss you. Oh, <laughs> oh isn't that sweet? So... Here we are in Washington, D.C., my hometown, and supported with, by and uh, together with all of these amazing women in professional sports. As Richard said, Richard is uh, one of the men here who's cheering for us this time around. Hello. And we are blessed and honored to be at the Speak English 5 first annual Synergy Conference in Washington. <laughs> This is going to be a blast. This is a special live broadcast from our panel discussion, panel of distinguished panelists, entrepreneurs, women in professional sports, people who have been making it happen behind the vents and off the field for years and years. And um, so we're going to be doing a special live radio broadcast from Washington, D.C. Uh, we will have plenty of phone lines open. So if you want to call in and listen live and or uh, contribute, ask questions, please, listeners, do that. Uh, we will be right here with you for a special two-hour broadcast. Richard, what do you think? How are you liking D.C. so far? Well, I like D.C. I think it's, uh, you know, it's a great town. It, it, it kind of reminds me of baggage, you know, that basically when you look back in the days of carriage and horses, your roads are so rough and beat up. Oh. But, yeah, but, yeah, it's nice. But also I must say that, you know, women um, plays a big part in family and raising a family. So it's nice to see women now getting into the coaching space of football. You know, you have your first woman coach at uh, in Phoenix. I think she's coaching linebackers and defensive backs. So, I mean, if you can raise your kids, you can coach, right? <laughs> right, I mean, because we lean on women so much. So it's, it's, a, it's a great honor. It's a great lean honor. on. Yeah, we carry you guys around. You know oh, we carry oh, you on our back. Thank you, babe. We're honored <laughs> to be here with you. And we're honored you're here, too. Okay, so listen, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this over. Gisette and Ajay English have made, are the, they're, the, they're the birth mothers behind this brilliant event. And Gisette and Ajay are also going to uh, uh, moderate this panel. So, Gisette, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce the panel and to let us know what's happening next. Thank you all for being here once again. I'm honored. It's an honor to have you all here at the Synergy Conference. Um, to everyone in, in uh, live radioville, 
Live Radio Town. <laughs> You're in for a compelling conversation with some phenomenal women. So please listen in. So we're going to have a two-part panel discussion. And we have our first group of panelists. Um, we have Tamika B. Holyfield. We have Ramonda Jordan. We have Shannon Elliott Wesley, Erica Lassiter, Tamara McDonald, and Kiva Ori as our panelists. And our panel experts, we have Angela James, Nicole Thomas, Melissa Mailer, Digit Murphy, Marcia L. Dyson, and Sandra Evans Short. So we have is this, is this cool? so we have Ajay English. She's going to be uh, taking questions from the audience. And uh, if you don't have the mic, don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> this is that simple. <laughs> we cannot have a jumbled conversation because we have radio listeners. Okay, so the first question. These questions have come from women in sports. They emailed the questions, and we had them email them so that there's no judgment. We can't say, you know, there's no embarrassment. We want everybody to be open and candid so that we can offer some solutions to some of the issues that women, not just women in pro sports, but just women in general are facing. So uh, there are no judgments. No one's wrong in, wrong here. We're going to have a, a good, uh, compelling, honest, helpful, supportive conversation. Those are the only rules. Other than that, please speak candidly. Okay. So the, the first question well, it shouldn't be the first one, but it is. Okay, so after this conference, where can we go to get more help on any of the, the issues that women are facing? That's one of the questions. So I'm going to ask Angela James to speak to that. Well, my company is Third Quarter Coaching, and what we do is we help athletes transition from on the field, on the court, to off the court, off the field. And so whatever issues you may have, whether it's financial, career, health, and wellness, you give us a call, and we're going to help you make it happen. That's what we stand on. Great. Anyone else has some insight? It just ties into what Angela is saying. Some of the things that we do is off the field is to provide those resources for our wives and our families in our NFL so that they know that um, – to help prior to leaving the game. Some of us have experienced things that we want to save some other wives and their families from experiencing. Um, so it would be great to team up with Angela now so you get these connections. So we can point them in the right direction. You know, giving the resources is a key because you you know you need the help. You don't know where to go. And sometimes in this realm, you don't want to ask for the help because you don't want people to know your business is what it boils down to. But if you have a sister like that who's in the same, you know, affiliation and you know that, you know, sometimes your secrets are safe and she can point you in the right direction and build your family, that's great. So that's part of the things that Off the Field offers our wives and they feel comfortable coming to us and we like to put them in hands that we feel comfortable in. So I love things like this. Um, but also just on, um, you know, the note of just the women that are here, we need to um, make sure that we carry this forward and connect with each other. And um, the resources that we all have are so invaluable. And still, just the relationship building is good, but building that bridge to carry it forward, to be able to support each other's business um, or either let other people know it be a mouthpiece. And um, there's a lot of power in the purses and the power in the minds in here. So I think that we just need to be that spark that carries it forward. 
Can I jump in real quick? As you are responding to questions, can you just say your name exactly. so that listeners, we can make say. a connection? So the radio knows who you are. When I'm Erica Lassiter, I was one of the first to speak, so I apologize for that. I said it right after. I was like, I should have said my name. So Erica Lassiter with Off the Field Players Wise Association. Thank you. And Ramonda Jordan, one of the founders of Off the Field. Yeah, this is Digit Murphy, uh, Play It Forward Sport. And if you're coming from it from the angle of being a professional woman athlete, you can call Play It Forward or get on playitforwardsport.org and we can hook you up because what Play It Forward Sport is all about is trying to connect uh, professional athletes in the community to give back. And one of the things that you could do is uh, buy a season ticket to our first ever launch of the Women's Professional Lacrosse League. Woo! And we will be in Boston, Philly, Baltimore, and Long Island, and we are sponsored by STX. So it would be great if, as we move forward in this room, we do play it forward and we help each other. Yes, Thank awesome. You. Yes, we have to remember to support each other as women. So now we're going to get into the heart and soul of this uh, panel discussion. Why do we feel the need to compete and compare as women? Why do we feel the need to compete and compare as women? We'll have Nicole Thomas, one of our panel experts, speak to this. Hi, everyone. Um, as a health and life coach, I, have, I come across this a lot with my clients. And I think the biggest reason is because of the insecurities that we've developed over the years. We often allow ourselves to start feeling better about ourselves when we can look at someone else and say, oh, well, at least I'm not there, or at least I'm not doing that. And the truth of the matter is, we rec if we would really be honest, we'd recognize more common things that we share with each other than differences. And a lot of times, just having the, the, the ability to be honest about what you're dealing with, what you're going through, and say to a sister, listen, you may have done this or may have been there before, but could you help me? Asking for help. There's so much strength in being able to ask for help. I think that's probably one of the biggest issues we face, especially as women, because people expect us just not to get along for some reason. And that's not how it really works mm -hmm. at all. There's, uh, no, uh, my name is Marcia Dyson. There's nothing wrong with competition in any field or walk of life. But what is needed, especially with women, is the notion of collaboration in our competition. And I think that's when we grow stronger and, and bigger. I mean, we wouldn't be any different than any man trying to advance oneself because if you're not in it to win it, then you will lose it. So I don't call that competition, but I do have sense enough to collaborate with brilliant women or like-minded whom I can be inspired by and hopefully I can uh, inspire as well. I'm Melissa Mahler. I'm the founder of Pro Player Insiders, and I've worked traditionally in male-dominated um, areas before this, you know, uh, in a law firm and in the media. And being part of this group and meeting so many strong, beautiful women that just really are about uplifting people. Um, this morning, Michelle had a few things to say, and one of the phrases I've heard in the past three months that I've adopted is, if you change your flock, you change your life. And if your belief is, I want to lift people up, there's room for everybody and there is strength. You're stronger by collaborating with people and having strong women around you. And uh, this is such a blessing and thank you for inviting me to be part of this. Awesome. Anyone else? Yeah, Digit Murphy again. Um, I, I think as a gender over the years, I agree with Nicole that, oh, look, <laughs> we just met. We're, we're, we're best friends now. <laughs> um, 
You know, I think as a gender, it's taken, uh, it's in our, first of all, I think it's in our DNA. For whatever reason, I think it's in our DNA. I think over the course of the, the years and with the invention of the internet and, and global kind of sense of community, we have to come together and collaborate for the sake of the planet. And I think it's our responsibility as women to stay together, not, com not compete, but collaborate and really, really, really make a difference and impact change in the world. Because let's face it, we are part of a great gender that raises the children, does it all, we multitask like no other, and we need to collaborate more, not compete. And this is coming from a coach, okay? But at the end of the day, we need to, to put our differences aside at the end of the game and move forward stronger together. Ramonda Jordan, um, off the field. Um, one thing that I think that we have to recognize as women um, is that our insecurities, um, you know, really date back from the creation. And whenever we um, understand better that if we deal with our own insecurities and find out what that root, our own pain, suffering, the things that make us feel bad about ourselves, that's what we often project on other people. But when we deal with what's most important is ourselves um, to take care of that, um, then I think that your light shines on to other people. You don't have the need to want to put anyone down. Um, you don't have a problem if anyone else succeeds. You know, you go girl becomes your, your favorite thing because you want to see each other do better. You don't want to see people down. And, and so I think, you know, first and foremost is just trying to, you know, basically check yourself. And this is Dieta. I have I have one thing to chip in. Richard and I are back here whispering about his his answer. <laughs> like I want to be on the panel, but 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 you know I talk about this a lot when I do work around uh, communication and, and how women and men communicate differently. And a lot of it has to do, in addition to you know self awareness, which Michelle talked to us about and what you're talking about also. But a lot of it also has to do with socialization. You know, we live in a culture that really socializes women very differently than men or young girls very differently than men. And some of that is changing. And thank goodness the sports industry, which we're all here to talk about, is part of helping to change that dynamic. Absolutely. But, you know, men, men or boys are socialized to play, 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 right, with a team. It doesn't matter if you like each other. It's all about the attributes. It's all about kind of a meritocracy. You learn how to, you know, deal with a whole variety of different personalities and then extract the strengths from those personalities. Personalities. But as girls, we play with one individual person. We like that person or we don't as a whole in total. <laughs> right. And if we have one argument, somebody's parents sends the other one's home and it's over. Like I, we are just we're just socialized to have different um, ways in which we accept a whole person rather than extracting the things that are really beautiful about other person and understanding that there may be some things that we have to complement. You know, and not everything has to be perfect in order for us to get along and really deeply cherish each other. And so part of what we're doing now, I think, is really changing the dynamic about how it is that we socialize ourselves, but also our children, and how we use the sports industry to help change the dynamics as well. And not just at the socialization level, at the equity level. Hi, this is Tamara McDonald, and I'm, I'm on the board of directors for Off the Field Players' Wives Association. And I think um, to that question, just that just you putting on this Synergy Conference um, is a great start and to show us coming together and supporting one another. And I believe it's a movement. And I think if we continue to encourage and support and, and help each other in our impact and our influence, that we can change that culture one by one. Thank you, I appreciate that. That's one of our goals here. 
So how do we do that? How do we join forces instead of holding each other down and sabotaging each other? Hi, this is Tamika Holyfield. I think one of the ways we do it is to really get a mental concept that uh, your promotion, your gift, and what you're doing in life has nothing directly or indirectly to do with what God has for me or my success. And when we as women get that in our souls, in our DNA, because we've been taught since we were little kids to uh, compete against each other, we see it depicted all over social media, all over ABC, CBS, e-news. We, I mean, we could go on. And so when you really get in your mind that, hey, sis, what you're doing, we're sisters supporting sisters, and your organization has nothing directly or indirectly to do with what I'm doing, but we can merge. How? Look, look who's all merging, Continental and United merge. Even corporate America knows how to merge, but we as sisters, we don't merge. And so merge is powerful. There are, there, there's power in numbers. And so you have conferences like this that totally uh, get us away from the image that we see. So the listeners who are listening now, they're like, wow, NBA wives and NFL wives and MLB wives and people in sports are really getting together. And we're not just talking about handbag and shoes, but we're talking about nonprofits and investing and how to live past your legacy. And this is what it's about. And if we keep getting together, a common denominator and network, this is how we change the stereotype, one community at a time, one TV station at a time, one person at a time, and one event at a time. This is the beginning. Today is the beginning with synergy. This is the beginning for us to act now and do better. The Bible says when you know better, you do better. We now know better. Uh, thank you. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome, Tamika. Okay, so we, we know that we do have some women that are mean-spirited. So how do we fit in? Do, do I need a pair of red bottoms to fit in and to be relevant? Do I have to have a pair of red bottoms for that? Good questions. Uh, they're very good questions. Well, I mean, let me just start by saying I think everybody needs one pair of red bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> one pair? But no, seriously. Honestly, this is this is Nicole Thomas with um, Virtuous Living. Honestly, what you said, Tamika, was was it, the crux of it. The, the bottom line is that what you have, what God has for you, is for you. And what God has for me is for me. And nobody else has anything else to do with that. I can celebrate your red bottoms and your new bag and your this and your kids doing awesome because I know that that's something that God has specifically for you. But when you look at yourself, you need to learn. I think that one thing that we need to learn, two words, gratitude and grace. Yes. We need to learn how to be able to be grateful for the things that we have in our lives, where we are. Doesn't matter what other people have going on. Comparing people, comparing yourself to other people usually robs you of one thing, your joy. And when you compare some, some yourself to somebody else, there's, there's no point. There's nothing beneficial to come from it. So being able to say, I'm grateful, I have a heart of gratitude, and being able to extend grace to others and to yourself when you don't do what you want to do or when somebody else isn't the way they should be. Like you said, if, if there's somebody that's mean-spirited or whatever, give them some grace. Understand that where they might be in their situation, they might be in a spot that you were 15 years ago. But understand, you know what? I can pray for them. I can encourage them and I can keep moving in my life because I know I'm grateful for where I am. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Hi, this is Kiva Ori, and I'm with Behind the Bench and also the Ashland Ori Foundation. I just want to piggyback off of Nicole and uh, Tamika and say that 
if we are all, first of all, I second that emotion. I think we all need at least one pair of red bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> but if we are all walking in our conviction and our purpose that God has given us, we all have platforms. And God has blessed us and given us talents in, in different areas of our lives and different experiences in our lives have increase that conviction and awareness of our purpose in our life. And if we are following that narrowly, we don't have time to be comparing and counting other shoes and bags and all of that. Although those are nice things, but they have their place. So I just wanted to add that. I'm accepting donation on Red Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I want to speak to the uh, radio listeners who are listening and uh, you don't have a, red pair, a pair of Red Bottoms. It's not in your budget to buy a pair of Red Bottoms. But you're the sister listening right now. And you're the sister listening right now. And you, you're trying to make it. You're trying to put food on the table for your family. You're trying to find your way. You're trying to find your purpose and your motive. Don't look past the Red Bottoms. Right now I have on a pair of Jessica Simpson shoes that I got for $29.99 and I am rocking it. You have to find something within yourself to say this is who I am and I am not going to base who I am, my future and what I want to do based on what I have on. You can look just as nice from Walmart, your outfit from head to toe. We have to get past that. It's all good. I have them. I love them. But when do we as a society stop looking on the outside and start looking on the inside? I'm speaking to you, that listener who's listening Listening to us in professional sports, we didn't get here. We, I love the song when it says, started from the bottom, now we're here. We didn't all just start here. We're not trust fund babies. And when you realize where you came from, then you're grateful that you're able to buy the red bottoms. But I still was Tamika Holyfield before I had red bottoms. I still had goals and I had dreams. So I'm speaking to you to still have those goals, still have those dreams. Red bottoms might come by the time you be able to afford it, it'll be brown bottoms. It's all just, <laughs> it's not, it's just, just put what some pair of black shoes, a black pencil skirt, and rock your belief. Rock your vision. Make it plain and have, make it happen because we all have a purpose plan and a platform, and it's time for us to get up and put it into place, sisters. Amen. Amen. Marcia Dyson. In this particular role, I'll be Reverend Marcia Dyson. There's That's a scripture right. that says, God's gift for you will make room for you. And as far as the red bottom, do what Christian Louboutin did. He went and got some red nail polish. If you think your self-esteem is tied to and you can't afford it, go buy a nice bottle of red lacquer nail polish and do you some red shoes until you can walk into your own reality that you don't really need them and they become worn because you have trailblazed in some other path beyond the narrow notion of consumerism and capitalism for your mindset. Right, I heard that. <laughs> okay, so what drives us to, to shop and spend? Is it need, uh, emotion? Are you, you know, happy, depressed? Like, what drives us as women to to shop and spend. This is Tamika Holyfield. For some people, it's pure, it's fashion. We have Deidre Tony in the room. He's a member of the Basketball Wives Association. And I know for the listeners, you think the Basketball Wives Association is everything you see on TV. Well, this is reality. That That's not who they are. Uh, for example, this is Deidre Tony. She's a fashion designer. She's done all the clothes for TV shows. Her, her drive for fashion is her passion. So for some people, it's their fashion, it's their passion, it's her, it's her business. And for some people, it's just they like fashion. For some people, it's keeping up with the Kardashians, what we see on TV. We have to have it. We all have different reasons. I say find 
you know, we all need to look good. Even going to an interview, we all know that it's very important, that appearance is very important. You can't go to an interview, you can't get a job without looking nice and looking good. The level is just to understand that it's not the designer on it, but that you have a nice, crisp outfit on, you cleaned it, you ironed it, and you're looking nice. So everybody have different reasons. I don't knock the ladies here who've been provided, able to shop how they shop, to whom much is given, much is required. A lot of these ladies are philanthropists. They have million-dollar trust funds set up. They do a lot of stuff. So we can't knock the next sister because she's able to wear red bottoms, because she's able to rock her mask. We just have to celebrate her. That's her cycle in life. And so we can't knock these ladies in professional sports who are able to do it. We just need to celebrate them and stay on your path. If you got to go to Walmart and Macy's, go to Macy's. If uh, Sandra has to go to Neiman's, go to Neiman's. We all have somewhere to go. Thank goodness there's a variety of stores that can accommodate each one of us. And, and Tamika, this is Dieta again. Let me jump on in with what you're saying because, I, first of all, I love everything you're saying. But, but there's a difference between money and class. There's a difference, and you do not need money to have class. Yeah. And some of the, and some of the people I know, <laughs> yes, you do not need money to have class. And some of the richest people I know don't have much class, yes. right? And so I, I, what you're saying is keep it classy, right? And how do you do that regardless of what your budget is? Carry yourself well, present yourself well, think about the image, think about the brand that you want to promote, whether that's your personal brand or your professional brand, and then figure out how to make that happen but how you perceive yourself and how other people perceive you has nothing to do with price tags and labels. Yeah. Absolutely. Hi, this is Angela James with um, Third Quarter Coaching. And what I want to say about the spending, everybody spends. God blesses you with material things. So that's, that shouldn't be the issue. What I look at is the heart. And we may spend a lot, but we give a hundred times more than that. Mm -hmm. So the better question is, what drives you to give to the magnitude that you do? And that's the question that I really want y'all to focus on and not what we spend. Because that question you can ask to anybody in the world. Why does anybody buy any of the things that they buy, whether they need them or don't need them? So let's not focus on that. But let's look at the heart of the matter and the way that we give and the amount that we give and why we give. So, Okay, so Tamika, um, briefly... Uh, talked about Deirdre Tony and how uh, fashion is her passion. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, how do we nourish our creativity? How are we able to nourish our creativity? We know that Deirdre nourishes hers through um, fashion and art, and I paint and, and cook. So I want to speak to how we're able to nourish our creativity so that we are able to shine and show who we really are as a child as children of God. This is Nicole Thomas with Virtuous Living. I think sometimes, um, to be quite honest, my passion came out of my pain. Being diagnosed with celiac disease and trying to figure out what that meant for me to stay alive and be well enough to care for my family my, and my kids, it was kind of, it wasn't really a choice. I had to figure it out. And so in the process of going through all of that pain and nearly losing my life multiple times, I recognized that this is a blessing. This is a gift. This is an opportunity for me to create something because I know I'm not the only person dealing with this. And sure enough, there's an entire community out there. Now, everybody's pretty familiar with it, the whole gluten-free community. Um, it's huge. And there's tons of people out there that live just like I do. And it's literally a meal-to-meal -meal thing for me. Mine is so severe that it's borderline anaphylactic. But not that my throat swells, but my internal organs shut down. 
So I could literally lose my life. So it's something that became my passion because I want to live and I know that there are people that have need of what I can create. And so I created my spice line for that reason. So people could eat well and stay healthy. I created my health coaching line so people could figure out what's going on with their bodies and their hearts and their minds and, and all the other stuff that we need to do to nourish ourselves from the inside out and stay well so they can walk out the legacies that they have. Marcia Dyson here again. I often found that the greatest achievers are the ones who realize that adversity is the greatest opportunity for one's creativity because it's that survival instinct that was in all of us that I believe that. And especially with women. I mean, I watched Digit, uh, Digit Murphy uh, when we were at the Tribeca Film Disruptors uh, event because we're both and we're all here are disruptors because what we're trying to do is disrupt the game whether it's about our appearance about the expectations of who you are as player wives or women in sport and all the aspects of women in sports the genres of women in sports so i think that what the the appeal is how to use that adversity because at that moment you realize i'm going to either die in the midst of this adversity or i'm going to survive you know, like the song what what would kill you and make you stronger, that's only to the person who didn't die, that person who didn't have that mm -hmm. um, inspiration, collaboration, and sisters having their back are in the grave, either mentally, um, emotionally, or physically. Yeah. But so for those who can sing that song and are the survivors, is that you realize that whatever it is that was averse in your life, what is the kernel, what is the flowering of that dead moment that sprung up in that fertilizer called the bullshit, crap <laughs> that you can see aha there's something beautiful there's a fragrance in the midst of that adversity and that's when you know because when it makes you smile beyond the, your immediate family when it makes you smile beyond the shopping therapy therapy that we all have done when it makes you smile and seem of your self-worth as i have to do this whether i'm paid for it recognize it for it or not if i'm that person in the shuttle doing this then that's when you know you're really your passion has yes. kicked in mm -hmm. and then from that will grow your growth and your influence in the world yeah nice awesome so we've just been joined by another panel expert Samende lloyd so we want to welcome her and it's it's all in god's timing because we're about to switch gears to a topic that she is well versed in um Semende has graciously uh taken in professional soccer players from Africa, and they are also amputees, and they're here, they're, they've joined us as well, some of them. And uh, Semende's been helping them out for quite some time, um, so her tie is, not only is she my girl, but her tie in the pro sports is because she's helping them, and she helps counsel um, women in professional sports. And uh, she has a wealth of knowledge that I'm sure um, everyone will appreciate. So thank you for coming, Samende. Just Digit Murphy, um, I want to follow up on what Marcia Dyson said um, about adversity. And one of the reasons, um, what, one of my inspirations for starting Play It Forward Sport um, with our co-founder, Rhonda Kirby, was that after in 2011, I left Brown University after 23 years of coaching. Um, you know, it was a long time, but I was, you know, it's not that you're pushed out, but as a female in sport, you know, you're, you're undervalued. So I saw myself and several of my colleagues actually pushed out that had 20 years plus experience for whatever reason. So as we started and embarked on this Play It Forward platform, we said, 
we want women to have their own door they can go through for professional sports, which is why we started it. And when I talked to my friends like Katie Stone, who's coaching at Harvard, and I said, she's like, Did you, what are you doing? I said, I'm starting your next job. I'm starting your next venture because she's going to need somewhere to go. And there were so many of these women that lost their jobs, including Shannon Miller, who spoke at the United Nations and, and lost her job after 20 some odd years. And she's in a lawsuit right now. Um, she won five uh, national championships and they pushed her out the door. I said, hell no, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to start something for the future of our generation because we're 50 plus and we're going for it, baby. So that's how I got involved with Marcia. And we're going to start something new. And I could have died like a lot of these other people. But I said, hell no. This is passion. We're doing it. I'm Italian, baby. I'm a passionate individual. And I'm going for it. So. So I'm going to bundle a couple of questions. Um, because they came from different women. But they're, you know, they're all connected. So when should I leave if I have been a victim of domestic violence or feel threatened? How do I heal and rebuild my self-esteem after being physically abused, cheated on, and manipulated into thinking everything is my fault by my husband? Who wants to address? Okay. Tamika Holyfield, been an advocate for domestic violence for the last 18 years. My mother was a domestic violence victim, so at eight and nine, I knew uh, that if a man ever hit me, you know, it was going down. So a lot of people forget about the children who watched the, the people being uh, abused. Uh, my philosophy and statistics will back my philosophy. You leave after the second time. The first time, everybody makes mistakes. None of us, everybody is, deserve a second chance in life, no matter what you do. <clears throat> so when he hits you the first time and he says he's sorry, two things are going to happen. Either he's never, ever going to hit you again, and he's going to spend the rest of his life uh, repenting for hitting you. And it's authentically, he has learned a lesson. The second time will be just like the fourth, the 20th, and the 30th. So soon as the second situation happens, you run because it, is, it will be the beginning of a lifetime of pain. At that point, it's higher than you. He needs help. We are not saviors. What we do a lot of time as women is we think we can save it all. You know, we can save them. We, we like to take on, you know, I call it, you know, gratis cases, whether it's your husband, your boyfriend, your friends. As women, we're multitaskers. We think we can save it. But if you're in a relationship and that second hit come, and I'm not just talking about a hit. A lot of times we like to justify it was a push. It was a slap. It's all the same. If a hand is, has been laid on you without your permission, that you are a recipient of, a, you have been uh, violated. So the second situation. You run, you get help, you tell somebody. Because the second will be the third and the 20th. And that's just statistically how it is across the board. Yes, Marcia. In my first marriage, I was a victim of domestic violence. Mm. But I was also a very naive Christian at the time when I believed a church that told me I was supposed to have been long-suffering. And through my long-suffering and being quiet and the obedient wife that my husband, who was not a churchgoer at the time, would be saved by my obedience. And after a while, I decided to divorce God and my husband. And it took a long time for me to repair that. I, I found uh, often that we stay for our children. 
And my daughter, who is now 40, told me, Mom, I wish you never stayed. You didn't have to stay for our sake. Mm -hmm. And that I would never let that happen. In fact, she's so good at it. It's like one strike, you're out. You don't even get for the second lick. But that never happened to her because she witnessed my experience. And from that, and from other things that I was able to do in the weakness of that moment, it's not standing up for myself or leaving when I shouldn't have left. There were other things that I was doing that, thank God, she saw some merit in my mothering, that she could equate all of that that was positive in me and say, I'll never be a victim of it, but not be mad at you, Mama, for staying there for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. Nice. Just So how do we end, how do we help end domestic violence? Ramon. Samende, I would like to hear from Samende at this time, please. Hi, everybody. Hi. Ending domestic violence starts with, like Masia said, her daughter saw the action she took. We have to educate our children and the younger generation and those who have not experienced domestic violence. She clearly said the second strike and you are out. But let us not wait for the second strike. There are signs and symptoms in our relationship, sometimes even before courting that person. And while we are dating, there are signs and symptoms. And if we don't see those signs and symptoms within that person, look within that family. Oftentimes, we run into relationship. And then when the very same things happen after marriage, we question that partner. In domestic violence, we also need to ask ourselves, the victims, and investigate your partner, not only him, but his family. If we try to investigate before getting into the relationship, we won't have to investigate and start looking into pockets and start looking at emails and looking at stuff like that. Investigate and educate. That's good. Ramonda? Um, You know, just um, along with that, I was going to say, you know, we as, um, you know, mothers um, with our daughters and other um, young ladies that we um, have an opportunity to come in interaction with, um, I think that we just need to continue to drive home the message um, of how important it is um, to value yourself um, and your self-worth. And I guess it goes back to the insecurity, um, you know, that we all, you know, we can't escape, um, you know, poor Eve. Um, you know, <laughs> going back to the very beginning, um, you know, with her decisions, I think that that's, you know, really just a part of where it all comes from, you know, making poor choices, um, you know, about ourselves. And so I think with the, um, if we teach our young ladies that they have to have value and, and like you were talking about, um, you know, for me, um, for a young girl, even before she begins to date, um, to understand, um, not necessarily what it is you're looking for, but what you're not looking for. And, um, and also on the flip side of that, having, um, a son, or sons, um, being able to teach our sons how valuable it is. The relationships that they see modeled um, are the relationships that they're most likely will continue because you only know what you know. And so I think we have to start a lot younger, you know, than we do because, you know, domestic violence, a lot of times we talk about, um, you know, between a male and a female, but, you know, there's different kinds of abuse that take takes place. And unfortunately, younger and younger, um, you know, we have to make them aware of that, make them feel safe about being able to know that there is power in their own voices and being able to speak up um, and know where those safe places are. I just wanted to say, too, that um, I had the opportunity, I spoke with Mildred Mohammed, uh, this is Melissa Mahler from Pro Player Insiders. Uh, yesterday, I was speaking with Mildred Mohammed, and she is the woman that was married to the DC sniper. And 
I know everybody is probably familiar with her story, but what was amazing to me is that her case was a case of domestic violence. And we spent a lot of time talking about why do women stay, when is the right time. And she shared her story, and obviously he tracked her across the country to come here. And I think as women, it's very easy to say, well, I would leave, I would do this. And everybody has their own time and their own way to get that strength and to support their decision. It might not be our decision, but to help them when they need not to be judged. Um, the other thing I've learned, and, and it was very helpful to me, is that there's all different types of abuse, emotional. And when the bruises heal, what's left is the emotion. And I think it's important to have that education. And you mentioned, both of you, about breaking the cycle. And if you grow up in a home as a woman or a, a man, and that's all you know, sometimes it's obvious to other people that you shouldn't do that. But if you don't know any other way, um, there was an NFL player that was shared a story with me about how his dad had beat him. And he said he did that because he loved me and didn't want me to end up in, you know, drugs and doing all these things and look how successful I am. And one of the advocates said to him, he goes, I was beat too. He goes, but I got to be where I am uh, despite that, not because of that. And that was just some things that I've learned through this journey of, of talking to people. And some women, you know, um, we're talking about domestic violence, and a lot of women feel that they've invested so much and taken it for so long. When, when can a woman finally realize that she's enough? You know, after marrying a pro athlete, after some even producing another pro athlete, um, after gaining the respect of her peers and women inside pro sports, for an example, when is enough enough? And Marcia spoke to long suffering. Is long suffering a virtue? Um, what's a real soulmate? Like, how do we determine when it's time to get out of, out of the situation? not just pertaining to domestic violence, but just situations as a whole in marriage. Tamika Holyfield, I always say, uh, in a joking way, but a joking, uh, sensitive way, uh, we have to be smart. Make a plan. So when you know you've gotten to your, the end of your rope, you know, don't, get, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So I suggest to everyone listening, you know the situation is dire. It's an insurmountable situation. Begin to make a plan. Know all the bank accounts. Know all the codes. Check your portfolio. See what you guys have. What's trademark? What's in your name? What's going to happen? How, how are we going to split this? What is owed to me? See, we have to become soldiers. It's either do or die or seek or swim. And I don't know about you all, I want to swim, and I want to see everybody swim. So get your game plan together. I call it your exit plan. Know your exit plan. Don't get emotional. You know, as women, we get so emotional. It's all this estrogen we have. We have to put some balls on and get some testosterone and, and make it happen. Get your plan together. Know that it's cheaper for him to keep me. I'm out. Know what's owed to you. Know what's your right. Know what's owed to your kids. What's the inheritance? This is, you know, so many times we think, you know, from my mother, she didn't want to leave because she didn't want to give up the lifestyle. Now, I was eight and nine years old, had enough sense to know, well, you, couldn't you get half? 
You know, know who we are. Know what we're entitled to. And the moment you start to realize who you are and what you're entitled to, you'd be surprised the strength you start getting. Don't tell it all to them. Don't tell them your secrets. Just start finding out. Your, your exit plan might take six months. Your exit plan might take six to eight months. But you need to start putting something in place so you can exit. Because uh, this, this chivalry of, you know, I'm just going to wait it out. Wait it out for what? Tomorrow is not promised. And you have children to look out for and their inheritance and their children. And so if you've put 17 years, 15 years, it's good. That sweat equity you've put into that marriage and that relationship and sweat equity turns into dollars. And dollars turn into a bank account and a bank account turns into your legacy that you can walk out the door and say, see, it's been real. We had a good 17 years. And then you take your half and you build and you go and you turn your pain into passion and that's how we get out of the situation. Create an exit plan. Okay, so I create my exit plan, so to speak. And I'm 45. I'm almost 50. I mean, do I need the ass of a 25-year-old to go out and start over? Can I start over at 45 and 50? How do I reinvent myself? You start over right where you are. When you look at, that's why it's important to read biographies and look at other people's stories. BET was started by a founder at 40. When you look at people, people are reinventing themselves at 50 and 60. Do not, do not let a number stop you because what you have wisdom at 45 more so than the 25 year old. So you take your wisdom and you build a team. Get you some 25 year olds on your team. Let the 25 year olds do what you have to do. And then you take your wisdom. Never let a number stop you from the start from wherever you are. Wherever you are, you're good enough, you're young enough, you're old enough, you're wise enough, you're everything you need to be to start the beginning of your life. Anyone else? Angela James, third quarter coaching, NBA wives, behind the bench. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Synergy expert. Synergy expert. No. <laughs> now, what I wanted to say to that is just do it. Like start where you are, Clorinda said earlier, know what's in your hand. And a lot of us don't even know what our strengths are. You know, we take for granted. I say I've been married 17 years. I've got five kids. We've been on 12 NBA teams. I'm a carpool mom. Like, list who you are and what you do and what is the energy. I love to help people. I know that. So I can look at all the titles. Okay, no, that's not, I, I don't want to be an accountant. I like numbers, but that's not going to work for me. But you know what? Life coaching and helping people, that works for me. So if I had to start over, and I am today, that's what I want to do. So know who you are. Know what your strengths are. I am positive. So all day long, you're going to get smiles. You're going to get hugs. You're going to get, because positivity is one of my top five strengths. So take that and build on it. You don't have to stay where you used to be. Listen, I am a child of domestic violence. My stepfather used to beat me till I was black and blue. He put my mother's head in a toilet and pulled the trigger, and thank God it didn't go off. But he had me sit there and watch him, and he did it all because I wasn't his child. But do you know, and I want to speak to how you heal, it's called forgiveness. Yes. After my husband and I had been married 10 years, this is the father of my siblings. He came to my wedding, and I gave him the first dance. And this man cried like a baby. You understand what I mean? And, and I don't want to be emotional, and I know everybody's story is different, but it starts with forgiveness. And if you can forgive him and her and everybody for all the things that they've done, 
you begin to heal and you can get off that topic and move on because what it does is it stunts your growth yes, it and does. all that God has created yes, you does. to be and do you can't do that because you got all this baggage man let it go I won't let that control me don't let it control you it's not the sum total of who you are it's that adversity that's supposed to build you up to who you're supposed to be take that energy and make it your body doesn't know the difference I, I ain't gonna go there. But go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No, but I was just saying, your body doesn't know the difference between fear or adrenaline. It just knows that there's an energy flowing in you. Mm -hmm. So you get to choose if that energy is positive or negative. Mm -hmm. You get to choose if you're gonna let that take from you or you're gonna let it give to the world the mm -hmm. gift that you are. Mm -hmm. And I gotta tell you, there's some amazing, every woman in here, even the men in here, you guys have so many gifts and talents. Don't let it fall away. Don't let it fall away. Don't let it pass away, fall away. Don't, don't do that. Be that flower and bloom and let it start today. So again, I thank you. I thank you because this is amazing, not just for us, but I hope for all the listeners that they can really take something from today and glean from what we're saying. Because there's a lot of experience in this room. We are all doctors. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you, Angela. PhD. And to that end, too, about that first husband, he now has stage four pancreatic cancer. And I check in with him once a week. We hadn't talked for almost 30 years, but as soon as I found out, I did call him. The one thing that he told me, because he wouldn't talk to me, he told me that he realized that he was a better father than he was a husband. And I was so glad because you wonder sometimes, why did you hate me so yeah. much when I was doing my best? But he was also the person that everything that I wanted to do, he told me I couldn't do it. So he really fortified me to do everything. So now here I am at 64 at the end of this month, constantly reinventing myself. That's right. Not out of necessity because you see how your gifts just grow. You meet wonderful people like you and you say like, oh my God, I can grow more. And So I'm going to connected you and grow. So it has not been a loss. It was a terrible experience, but that forgiveness. And my children couldn't understand it because I would be sitting in the dark scratching myself as if a tiger had attacked me. But you're right. It was about being able to forgive him, now being able to care for him, sending him information to help heal his body. And I know he's going to be out of here, but I let him be forgiven. But to hear him say how he was, it was such a great to hear his confession. I think that it healed him too. So thank you. This is, you know, we do do testimony. We have a black women and, and our sisters. We do have a testimony, and that's okay because it's what we do for self-healing in public. So we have a comment or a question from someone from the uh, audience. Okay, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hello, everybody who does not know me. I'm Nico Too Good. I came all the way from Atlanta for this moment, and I'm so glad I walked in exactly when I walked in. I do public relations and brand management, and one thing I tell anyone I work with is that time is... We always say it's not relative, but it is. It takes the moments of what you women have gone through to make you ready and prepared for your now. It took the hurt, the anguish, the pain to mold you into being the testament that you are. So now your work has provision. And I always say God gives you provision. He provides vision. You must do the work. And because God has allowed things to happen and trials to come, and for you to overcome them, you are now able to take that provision and push through it and touch the next life. And that's what we as business people, no matter what arena you come from, I'm 23, with a degree and a business and a very nice life, because someone told me a long time ago that I didn't have to be the statistic 
of what D.C. is, because I grew up in D.C., and I grew up in the hood. I didn't grow up around the nice bags and Burberries and all that stuff. I grew up around pimps and prostitutes. That's what I came from. That's what I knew. But I saw people, like the people in this room, who gathered together in moments like this and shared. And it allowed me to say, well, no matter what my mama or my grandma was, I can go to school. And then when I said, oh, I want to go to college, they said, oh, well, we don't have money for that. That's okay. I found me a scholarship. I'm going to go. And I moved away and I went. I went to University of Maryland, go Terps. Started <laughs> and finished up my career and started my career. But it, it, as someone who touches people's brands all the time, these stories and these moments, your memoirs that you live each day and continue to allow you to give you energy, they are fueling the moments for the next generation. And they are stories that need to be heard by people in my age brackets and under your age bracket, whatever that may be. Because this is what helps our community and our, our people, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Latino, whatever race you may be, we all know one thing, and that's adversity some way, some form. This is how we cope, and this is how we change it. So I thank you all for allowing me to be in this moment. Because it shows me that I know I'm on the right track. Because there are women and men who come together communally and say, we've all been through but look where we are now. Mm. And that is your brand. Yeah, that's good. Marcia? Going back, Marcia Dyson, on the ministerial side, I want to say that I worked with the NFL around domestic violence and met with Goodall and Troy Vincent. And the one thing that I will not forget once I stepped outside of my own domestic violence experience and history is that we do have to, for those women who have husbands who are on the NFL, how the game is detrimental to increasing violence. And so I'm also an advocate, advocate for trying to heal the men in the game and making sure that they're protected, whether they have the tendency or not, if it's, if it's familiar, familial or if it's inherited through the sport in which they play, because now it's scientific uh, research that says that these men based upon the amount of hits that they get, the concussions that they have, which can be really in any sport, that they need a special care. So I won't negate their particular needs in it, too, in the communities in which they come from, that just socialization of, of violence, whether they see it in their home or is it impacted by the sport and the, to, and the passion into which they play that causes harm as well. Thank you, Marcia. Semende? I think the question was, um, at what point do you leave? Do you leave? Um, we have to understand that domestic violence is a learned behavior. And for those of us in here, we are around positive energy. And sometimes you may not even know that the atmosphere you allow yourself to enter in, the people you allow yourself to befriend, the teacher that might probably take you closer, all of those things help. And the reason why we in this room, and she can call everybody in here doctor, and I would add that, you know, for those of us who are spiritual, uh, doctors of need, university, we are all on our knees and praying and, mm -hmm. and asking God to, to elevate us. So we are all doctors in, of need university. But for those women in here, maybe one of, or two, who first time around an energy like this, or who does not have the a person who does not have the the willpower or the path to enter energies like this what do we do how do we reach them i can say that every woman in this room has a way out and she lists some things but how can you 
walk away from something you don't know how to walk away from. Help helps us. So, so I come from a small town um, in Delaware. That's where I come from. And there, uh, in the past, there were not many high-profile or professional athletes that came out of my town. It's changing now. So how do you deal with private situations in the public eye? You have paparazzi, you have TMZ, you have the chick next door that's blabbing her mouth all over town. You know, how do women in pro sports, women in general, deal with private situations in the public that become public? Anybody else want to speak? Uh, Ramonda Jordan. Um, you know, I think that um, that's one of those topics um, that we're still trying to figure out a way. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, off the field, um, you know, we've been talking with the commissioner and with some other groups about domestic violence as well. Um, one of the things that we hope um, that we focus on is put that focus back. It's really a societal issue. You know, I know that, um, you know, the studies, you know, that are, um, you know, advocating that um, there's a propensity for men in sports to become more violent. But I think that um, that could be partially true, but we take the focus of what the real issue is and whether or not your, um, your doctor, your child's teacher, your mailman, there, there are people in all facets of life um, that have the propensity for violence. And so I think that we need to really shine the light on what the, the real issues are and, and really focus on the people that you were talking about that may not, it may not necessarily be. I think that the woman that's in a high profile situation, um, she has a lot of different things to deal with, but just as a mother, um, who the paparazzi is not looking for, there are resources out there that we have to just keep, elevating and saying, if you're in a situation, a, a national domestic violence hotline, people have got to be able to feel free to um, tell someone. They've got to have someone in their circle that they can trust. Um, and when it's not something that we can do to help them, we have to make sure that we point people. There are people, trained professionals, that spend day and night and have seen horrific things um, that are there to help them have an exit plan, help them move to the next level. So I think that we have to um, stop feeling like that we have to be silent because we're in any type of position and help take control of that by um, negating all of the things that we see that we feel like we have to stay pressed down because we're in the public eye or because um, of what the business would think. Or just like coming from my situation, my mom was in the military. You know, and I am a, a domestic a, a child domestic violence survivor, and you know, really in positions where generally um, the power, you know, is not in the female spectrum, then we feel like we have to press down um, because we can't move forward if people are visualing, you know, visualizing certain things about us. So I think that the more we talk about it, the less we try to keep it under the cover. That when we shine the light on that, I think that's how we give power to each other to have the strength to be able to, whether you pick up the phone to call the domestic violence hotline or whether you decide to tell one of the moms in your room or whoever you reach out to, you have to be able to have um, the strength and knowledge that there's help for you somewhere. And um, as a professional, you know, athlete, 
And what we try to do with off the field is really just try to let the ladies know there are resources. And we understand that, um, you know, there are challenges um, when you are concerned about your family, your children, um, because they're in the spotlight, what will happen if you do go? I mean, there's just so many different issues. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, still, it's still a work in progress. And so the more groups that we have, like the Synergy Conference, all these women coming together um, and making sure, like they said, that people know that women in sports matter, that's, for this particular group of women, that's what we have to do. Um, keep making sure that everyone know that our voice is being heard, but um, we also have to be careful, like I said, not to focus on just the women in sports. It is a societal issue. Thank you, Ramonda. We're going to take a quick break so everyone can have a drink of water or freshen up or whatever, and then we're going to um, pull in the next group of panelists. The experts will remain the same. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. Hi, I'm John Rainey, Chief Financial Officer of United Airlines, and I'm honored to be the National Chair for the 2015 March for Babies campaign for the March of Dimes. United is a proud supporter of the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Please join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.org. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. 
It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. We're back and continuing our live coverage from the Synergy 5 conference in Washington, D.C. Speak English. We are here at the Women in Professional Sports Conference in Washington, D.C. We just finished an amazing first panel with women representing a variety of different uh, professional sports from MLB and NBA and NFL. And now we're transitioning to the next panel of amazing women, also from those industries, but also who are entrepreneurs and philanthropists and and uh, successful business people and mothers and, and, and spiritual leaders. And uh, we are about to start the next uh, piece of our panel. So, Gisette, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited. Everyone's speaking and telling the truth. Everyone's speaking English. <laughs> Well, I don't know where our panel experts have gone. Okay, we have two. No, Shannon, no, no. Okay, so we'll start with our first uh, question. How do I get my depressed husband to get his ass off the couch? Do I encourage him to work out and wait for the next contract, or do I demand that he get a nine-to-five? There are some thought for you, some something for you to think about. This is oh. Tamara McDonald. We have some experts joining us. Let's give them a second to take their seat, please. The question, how do I get my depressed husband to get his ass off the couch? Do I encourage him to work out and wait for the next contract or demand that he get a nine to five? This is Tamara McDonald, and I haven't personally experienced that, but what I always teach, we are their cheerleaders. We are there when they get hurt. We're there 
when they're in limbo waiting for the next contract. We're there when they get released or cut. And we're there when the lights go off. Um, and I believe encouraging him, promoting him, jumping in there because we are their partners, whatever we need to do. If we know they don't have the skill set or they didn't get their degree or maybe, you know, then uh, if you have a contact, if you have this, um, and I work with players sometimes in transition and families and I, you know, try to find out, okay, what they need, what um, uh, businesses, can you start a business? And, and, and those type of things. And, and, and I believe when he sees you taking that initiative and moving on his behalf and helping him, as well as, you know, in the midst of that, trying to get him to recognize what's going on and hoping he'll be willing to listen to get some help from experts and things like that, an expert or people that can pour into his life that he would trust and open up to, because that's important because pride and ego, we know they all have, and and help them move in the right direction. But we are their supporting piece, and I believe that they feel like we're supportive in whatever way that situation is, um, and they know that we got their back in the midst of them um, needing us. I think that helps. Thank you. Um, my mom used to say you get so I don't think you can really demand anything like mm -hmm. and, and that should not be something that's even on the table. I think the only approach is just what you just said, encouragement, support, being a support. They'll, they'll figure their way out. If they're the kind of man that worked hard enough to get to that spot and play in the league, then they will. Ah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds different. Um, then they have the work ethic. They have, you know, they, they know what they need to do to be diligent and to, to work hard to get back to where they want to be. Sometimes all they need is a break. Sometimes they just need a little minute to say, you know what, honey, take your time. I got your back. We'll figure this out. And when they get back up, that's when you kind of increase a little bit of the support and say, what can I do to help? How can I help? Okay. Latasha Batch. My name is Latasha Wilson-Batch. I'm the vice president of Off the Field. But the one thing of um, advice that I would say, too, when it comes to dealing with um, any type of student athlete or professional athlete, whether it's your children or your husband, is that sometimes when they're sitting on the couch, they're, they're mourning. The mourning, the loss is something that they love or sometimes something that's the only thing that they know. So when someone mourns, you have to give them time. But at the same time, you have to have patience and you have to understand. I think that's something that has to come from within us, which is another thing on our list to make us even stronger to deal with the patience because why well, didn't I sign up for you to mourn? But ultimately in their mind, something has, you know, Pretty much it died. They had to let it go, whether it's from injury and transitioning back because they're not part of the boys' club anymore, and now they're part of the family club, which they're typically only part of part-time sometimes. So that's something that we have to consider and think about, too, as well, about the mourning of something that they love. But be careful. As they mourn, don't let them fall into depression because that's the other thing that starts triggering in. So you give them the, that time period, and then you tell them, okay, get you, pick them up by their bootstraps, and tell them, get, get your ass off the couch, take out the dogs, there's a grocery list, and let's get it together because we still got a function. Erica? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, I just... The same thing has been said, and I don't want to say too much more of the same thing, but um, one of the things she said that she said, you know, sometimes your husband will see what you're doing. And I always went back to the verse because my husband was there. He did the two years of playing golf every day. And I said every day, every day. And it was more so 
a sanctified woman or sanctify her man is a thing I thought in my head. I was like, okay, I'm gonna make sure we got something to do. So I made there, I made things for him to do. Uh, set up the foundation. You're gonna go to speak to these kids. You're going to go, you know, I set up so you can go. So I kind of just gave him some options and then he loved doing what he, what we planned and he just started doing it more and, you know, building that foundation to do more things. So I think giving those opportunities and giving them things to do helps out quite a bit. Evelyn Miller. Oh, Deidre Tony. I'm sorry. Hi, my name is Deidre Tony from behind the bench and I'm also a fashion designer in the film industry and I've been there as well and at first I didn't understand it and then I had to dig within myself and say what's going on with my husband so I had to start reinventing him as she said but I first thought okay did you finish your education he only had one quarter left so we got that done then I said, well, okay, now I need to figure out how to encourage him because he's not listening to me. He's mourning, as you said, and depressed. And I kept saying, okay, first I'm going to pray. So I prayed. And then God said, let him know that his worth is not on the court. He is a man of God and his worth is within. And so I told him that every day. And yes, he, he played golf every day and he worked out every day. But I kept saying, well, why can't you get a regular job? And he said to me, well, you know, you don't understand. If I go out there and get a regular job, everyone else devalues who I am. So first we had to build him up within himself. And then he reinvented himself. He started his own business, and he's doing very well. He's mentoring and encouraging other players and ushering them into the basketball NBA arena so that they don't go through some of the same mistakes that he went through. Um, Angela James, again, third quarter coaching. Um, but what I was going to say is, and I'm going through this process with my husband, and the hard, one of the hardest parts is when they haven't quite decided to retire, um, and, but they know that they need to. So there's another issue. But I'm going to say this. There are six human needs. And the reality with an athlete is all six of his needs are met through playing ball whatever kind of ball it is. And so when that's taken away, it, it's literally an addiction. You understand what I'm saying? And so when you've taken that away and there's no replacement, I mean, they said if, if three needs are met by one thing, it becomes an addiction. So imagine all six needs were met. So you've got to help him, right, find something else that he'd like to do. And so it's great to give him choices. But the first thing that I did with my husband, I said, Let's see who you are. What, what are you made of? So there's a book. I'm going to give you a book. It's called Strength Finders 2.0. So I made him take the test, and it's got about 30 or 40 or so strengths, you know, of everybody. And he was like, oh, wow, that's who I, you know, so one through five. And it really spoke to who he was, and it was more than just who he was on, on the court. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing I said, okay, give me five to ten things that you think you'd like to do outside of basketball. And so we walked through that process, and I said, give me your top two. And so he gave me his top two, and I said, okay, let's focus on these 
top two things that you think you like to do. And so whatever we had to do, make calls, train more, travel a little bit. But I started putting him in on that process. So he didn't spend a whole lot of time on the couch, although he could have. I also turned off cable, but we, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But you know what I mean? So you just, you, like she said, you've got to be their cheerleader. Um, we're their help meet. So we have to f- find a way to help them meet their own needs. And it's not us because we're not their God and they're not our God. You, you understand what I'm saying? So Strength Finders 2.0, help them find who we, like some of those words they've never even heard. And, and, it's, and it's very, um, it's a beautiful thing to see your man come alive after the game yeah. in a whole nother way. So... And just to piggyback off of that, another way, um, sorry, Nicole Thomas versus living behind the bench, yeah, um, is while they're still playing, help them to cultivate the things that they're interested in so when they do stop playing, they have other things to step into right away. So don't just be the wife that says, oh, he's playing ball, he's good. Help him to do exactly what Angela did with her husband and figure out those things that he's passionate about aside from the sport that he plays and how he can be impactful in the community outside of the game. So when he steps off, he's got something to walk into. And one last thing, I know some of the organizations offer trainings for coaching. If you want to be a coach, they'll put you through some type of training if you want to be in broadcasting. And a lot of it is still related to the field, but it'll give them an opportunity to see, hey, I may not even like this, you know, so that's an, I would admonish you to tap into the resources. Call the NBA, call the NFL, and don't stop calling until you get some type of answer. Okay, let me just add um, this question in the mix while we're on this topic. In any professional sport, before your husband is thinking of retiring, then preparing for the next stage is vital to set the wheels in motion before that time comes, which is what you just spoke to. What should we do if my husband is a former athlete that is interested in coaching after playing? Can anyone speak to that? Address that. Okay. Go ahead. Um, What I would suggest, and I've actually seen this with one of my husband's best friends. um, Oh, I'm sorry. Evelyn Miller. Um, and I actually just visited my husband's college alma mater last weekend to go to a football game where one of his best friends that he went to college with is now a football coach. And, um, I actually watched the two of them both start businesses after they retired from football. They started businesses together actually in Atlanta. And, um, I saw his friend Andre, who's now become a wide receiver coach at his, at, at Kansas state, Um, I watched him actually kind of struggle a little bit. You know, when he first stopped playing, I think he was a little lost. And I think no coincidence that they decided to open a nightclub after after leaving professional sports because I think they were looking for that same, you know, they still wanted some cachet, some celebrity. Um, They wanted to feel important still, like people were you know, adoring them and interested in knowing them and that kind of thing. And I I think it was a a huge departure to go from having thousands of people cheering for you to just kind of being this regular guy that needs to have a job, you know? So they started a nightclub together and um, they actually did really well at it. Um, But I was really glad to see his friend, Andre, who kind of went from that to then connecting with coaches. And I think for, I don't know if this, if it works this way in other Um, sports, but I know for football, it's like, you know, they've been coached by 
some coaches who are now superstar coaches. And, you know, you kind of reconnect with those people, you keep those relationships alive, and they can bear fruit in the future. So um, I know for Andre, he connected with some of his old coaches, and he did have to start from the bottom. I mean, when he first went into coaching, he had to really kind of humble himself and take a job that was, he was at a college in the middle of nowhere. But six years later, He's doing amazing, and he has, you know, he has um, kind of the world in front of him, and he has so many different options going forward. So I think it was really worth it, you know. But sometimes you have to realize that you're going to have to maybe pay your dues all over again in that second career. You don't get to necessarily just jump out of being superstar athlete into then being superstar coach or whatever that next thing is. You might have to rebuild a little bit, and that's okay. So. Hi, this is Tamara McDonald with Off the Field, a Players' Wives Association, as well as I'm a pro player insider's uh, writer as well. But um, that was the listener asking that question? No. Or it was just a general question? If I know for the NFL, if they come from that background, the NFL Players Association has an internship program for guys, and they place them with university and pro sports teams and things that they can go through that program and get that experience of coaching, they will even place them with jobs in the coaching field. And I don't know if the other pro sports have that, but it's a really, really good program. I, I would also suggest contacting, I believe the NCAA on the collegiate level, they have an internship program as well that they, that the guys can go through as well as contacting their, you know, their former alma maters. And um, I think those are great places to start. I wanted, okay, I wanted to speak um, to that. This is Ramonda Jordan. Um, my husband uh, went from uh, 10 years in the NFL and 10 years in college coaching, um, and he coaches um, in the NFL now. He's an assistant coach. Um, one of the first things, um, you know, with the coaching um, is the coaches' association. Um, um, every year in January, um, the AFCA has a coaches convention and it's six to 8,000 coaches that converge in one place. And, um, it is, um, we also have a coaches wives association. We meet at that same time, but it's really, another, it's like a, um, a great place for networking. Um, it's where many jobs, uh, there's a lot of job interviewing that goes on. Um, you can join the coaches association, even if you have not obtained a job as a coach. And so that's a great way, um, you know, really to use your skills to go and sign up, um, be a part of getting all that information. You can go to anything that takes place at the conference, um, and, meet face to face with people and just kind of get your name out there. But for the first thing, um, you know, I've talked to people over the years, um, is really, um, if you're interested, if you're, um, husband or is interested in coaching is to make a tree really of the people and the contacts that you have in the business starting out from, you know, high school to college, um, to that professional rank. Um, oftentimes the tree is just, um, so widespread, you don't even really know how many people um, that you do, mo do know. And then reach out to those coaches, let them know that you're interested in coaching and how you can move that forward. But um, start with those two things. But going to the convention is the, you know, really a good way. Okay, we're going to switch gears. Thank you, Ramonda. Um, we've been speaking about the, the athletes and the wives. Let's switch gears and talk about our kids for a minute. 
kids of uh, professional athletes um, and the pressures that they have to face, um, whether they're their sons trying to aspire to be like their dads and some of them may not be gifted in those areas or not even have the interest to even be a professional athlete. So here's the first question. What about the Cain and Abel complex amongst, among siblings? The pressures, labels imposed on sibling athletes, both indirectly and directly. And by the Cain and Abel complex, um, it references, say, we have, you have two sons. One son is the perfect son in the eyes of the public or the father. And then the other is the opposite, you know, from the perspective of, of other people. Who wants to address that? The pressures and the labels imposed on sibling athletes, both directly and indirectly, um, uh, to be professional athletes or whatever. Following the footsteps. Yes. Hi, Sandra Short with Behind the Bench, the National Basketball Wise Association. When you spoke to that, I thought of my sons who are at 6'5 and 6'4. They chose not to play basketball and being told that it was a waste of height. That was touching, especially for my youngest son who has a heart of gold and he has chosen now to move on. He works with kids that have autism and, and uh, who are ADHD and those because that's his passion. And I'm so proud that he took the stance of, no, I don't follow my father's footsteps. I'm not an athlete. I'm straight up academics which shut down a lot. For my family, my husband never pressured our kids into playing, never at all, never even played a pickup game in the driveway with them because he didn't want his, what he wanted for them, he wanted what they wanted, not necessarily what, but they did, they did feel pressure in society, in schools. The coaches saw them come through the door and they were like, oh my God, yeah, I got my center, I got my forward. But um, it's all in what we instill in our children, what we teach them at home. No, you don't have to be like dad if that's not your passion. You have to find their passion. Like I know, Josette, your boys, that's their passion. I don't think, and I think I can speak that they were never forced to do it because their dad did mm -mm. it. It's what they do. So if we instill in them at home that you do what you need to do. You don't have to follow in dad's footsteps. Dad got some pretty big footsteps, but those are his footsteps mm -hmm. and not yours. Thank you, Sandra. So what about the... No, Nicole? Okay. I'm going to add a component. What about the father that does put the pressure on the kids? What about that? What about that father? What about, you know, how do you comfort your son who tries or his daughter who tries um, their best and they just, you know, are not reaching or meeting whatever ideas the parent has for them or society? I think as a mother, our job is to, uh, no, sorry, Nicole Thomas, behind the bench, virtually living all that. Um, the job as a mom is to encourage, support, and uplift our children, but also to educate them about what certain, you know, external expectations might be and how that doesn't necessarily have to define them. So whether dad says, oh, I want you to play football, or I want you to play basketball, um, if you know, like in my case, my husband and I were both athletes. So we have three amazing kids. Two are very athletic. The one has absolutely no interest in anything. I let a basketball I have to tell this. We were playing basketball in our backyard and a ball bounced off the rim. And my daughter looked at the basketball, 
threw her hands up in the air, turned around and screamed and ran away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you kind of have to recognize it's not her thing. Now, music, writing, she's a musical theater genius. She's all that. But if you're that parent that you're so kind of stuck in that place that you have to kind of project yourself onto your kids as a mom. And if you see that going on with your husband, all you have to do is support your kids, love on your kids, encourage them to be who they are, encourage them. Maybe if that's not your thing, try it. See if you might have fun. If you don't like it, let's try something else. And also be there on the other side when they don't love it and there's something else that they want to step into. Thank you, Nicole. I just wanted to say something really quick. This is Ajay, and I'm the CFO of Speak English 5. And um, I just wanted to speak to being the daughter of a professional athlete, um, someone that played basketball for over uh, maybe 15 years. It's, it's really difficult because you're under the pressure because everyone feels like, okay, well, is she going to play basketball? What sport is she going to play? What's she going to do? But I feel like sometimes what you really want to do gets swept under the rug as the daughter, especially when you have two brothers that, just like Miss Sandra said, are 6'5", and they both are passionate about playing basketball. However, I'm not. You know what I mean? And then you feel you start to feel like maybe what I want to do is not necessarily as important as what they want to do. So maybe, you know, like we moved around and we traveled from, you know, place to place and traveled to Europe and had to put, we had to do it aside to support my dad in his career. Maybe I have to do that for my brothers too. You know what I mean? So I, I just think that that's something that we should keep in mind, you know, for women that have daughters or, you know, that have sons that maybe don't want to play sports. Maybe that's not important to them. It was important to me to create Speak English 5 with my mom. You know what I mean? Business is what I do. Business is what I love to do. But I, I just feel like we need to make sure that we empower our daughters and, and our kids to do what it is that they're passionate about, even if it's not in sports. I try, huh? Um, speaking of being in sport, there are three women up here that we have not heard from. I'd like to know what they would like to throw out, whether it's about the topic or not. Dina has not said anything. You have not said anything. And you have not said anything. And I don't want you all to be here as resources. And we have not heard from you, whatever's on your mind. So I don't mind about the departure. So my question is, the radio host, the person sitting in the audience is, what is on your mind and what is your passion? If not, we lost your value here for me anyway. I'm sitting here looking at you. (laughs) Okay, well, what, hold on. What, what, um, about the child that does aspire to be a professional athlete and has the gift and is highly recruited, how do you support your child in their dream and goal to com- continue playing the sport, um, you know, after college? If anybody wants to touch base on that. Go ahead. Hey, my name is Shannon Wesley. I'm with Behind the Bench. A lot of people don't know that my son has cerebral palsy. Um, he walks normal talks normal, all that. Um, we started a new school this year with my son, and he was really excited. He just got cleared last, last season to play basketball. He's had multiple surgeries. I don't know, I get all shaky when I talk about him. <laughs> he um, has had multiple surgeries on his leg where he's had um, bones broken, reset, so on and so forth. He got cleared last year. He played his first season. He loves basketball. So, 
very, very good. But he, um, if you could stand at the free throw line and shoot, he'll shoot for hours and hours and get probably about 98% of them in. He's really good. He doesn't run as fast as the other boys. He's not stable on his feet like the other boys. He can't cut plays. So we started a new school this year. He's really, really excited, but he is um, really nervous because everyone comes up to him like, oh, you're David Wesley's son. Oh, you're going to be on the basketball team. And they have really high expectations, but they don't know that he's not, um, he's not, but he's not up to their level, even though he can shoot and he, he can talk a good game mm-hmm. uh, like most of them can. So he's a little worried, and I think the pressures of everyone kind of with their high expectations has kind of maybe deterred him a little bit from trying out this year. And it's on a much higher level of competition than his last year. But um, so on the, on the expectations of, of others looking at the NBA children and not just daughters and sons, but it, it's, a, it's a lot of pressure. And although he really wants to be the next LeBron, well, excuse me, LeBron has been pushed aside. It is now Curry. Steph Curry is now the new man. <laughs> he wants to be Steph Curry. You know, he wants to be at that level so bad. I, you know, we just started to having, he's never known really what, what's wrong with him. He couldn't tell him anything different except for he's in a double leg cast for six months and he can't go swimming in the summertime. Remember when we were at your house, Angela, and he had to sit on the side with the cast and he's like, why can't I play? He didn't know what was wrong with him, but, and he still, you know, doesn't really fully understand the depth of his um, trials that he has ahead of him. Even people looking at him without, without knowing, they're like, what's wrong? why is he walking funny, you know? Why is, why can't he, why is he falling? So it's, it's a lot of pressure, and, and, and I'm hoping that it doesn't deter him from trying out this year because, like I said, this new school, it's on a much higher level of competition than our last school that he was at, and um, <sighs> I'm going to just ask all y'all to pray for him. <laughs> okay, we will. We'll pray for him. Clorinda? Clorinda? Hi, I'm Clorinda McGrady uh, with Project Push. And I just want to comment on just what we're talking about, obviously, and just the pressures. Um, I have two girls, two boys. And right now what I want to talk about is my daughter, who's 12 years old, she came home the other day and said, I want to try basketball. And I was like, oh, which is really big because she's into volleyball. And she's always been like, oh, no, basketball, basketball, no. So this year I was like, oh, wow, I'm all excited, giving her high fives. And I'm like, babe, guess what? Layla wants to try basketball. And he's like, she can't. I'm like, what? And so that created a whole another thing. Was like, You're not going to tell me my baby can't try out, you know. But the thing was the pressure they put on him. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it took a lot of peeling back the layers. He didn't necessarily say that out loud, but between the lines, it came down to he didn't want her to play because of the pressure it's going to put on him. Tracy McGrady's daughter, what if she gets out there and she's a, yeah, she's a clutch. She can't do it. And so as a mother, that hurt me to the core because I'm like, you're not going to tell my baby she can't do anything. And to, to, the, to, to basically get to the bottom of this, what do we do? Our role as mother is to encourage them, to uplift them, to support them, to make them feel like if they want to click their heels and fly to the moon, you can. And like I tried to tell my husband, I don't care if she can't play. 
The fact that she wants to get out there and bust her butt and try is enough for me because it's not about the game of basketball. It's about all the other lessons that come in. And so I just think, and, you know, I had to pray about it and sort of go against my husband. I'm like, baby, you're going to try out. You're going to try out because the thing is, I don't want, this is a, a, a tool, it's a lesson. I don't want this time next year something big come up that she wants to do. And she goes, oh, well, maybe I can't do it because I'm not good enough. No, you're good enough to do anything you put your mind to. And if, if you don't think that my job is to make you feel that way, that you can do absolutely anything you put your mind to, even at the end of the day, you're not good at it. So I just think that for Shannon, you encourage your son. Maybe he can't be the next um, LeBron or whoever, but he can do as much as he can do. And we can't compare to any other player, to dad or to anybody else. But all we can do is pour into them and really highlight what you can do. Maybe you can't be the one who's cutting and doing plays. But you can sit your butt right there in that free throw line and give us a good 10 in 2015. And so it's really about pouring into what they can do and not focusing on what they can't do. Clarinda, keep it, keep it. Uh, oh, you want to talk? Okay. I just wanted to speak on that too. Oh. Sorry, I'm Kiva Ori, um, National Ori Foundation behind the bench. Um, to Shannon's story, it's not always because I, we had a, a special needs child that passed away four years ago, and she wasn't in sports. But to to have people talk down and say, "Oh, she can't do this. She can't do that. She needs to be in a wheelchair." You have to be the advocate for your yes. child no matter what, whether they have disabilities or not, mm -hmm. he can be the best that he can yes. be where he is yes. with whatever limitations. But we sometimes we as parents may even create limitations for yes. our children. We don't even know. But um, we'll be praying and, yes. and continue to cheer him on. Yes. All right. Hi, Sharice Jackson-Jordan, behind the bench. Um, my topic is a little different. Um, my, I have a son, he's a senior, and the dilemma that I face the most with my son who plays basketball is having sort of a discrimination because of the fact that his father is in the industry. And so like currently, his um, school, his coach doesn't play him. And basically, for the last two years, it's been a situation where because he's, I pay, he goes to private school, so I pay for him to go to school. And he feels that he rather the athletes that are on scholarship get the time because I can afford to put my son through college. So therefore, he doesn't play him. So my son isn't getting time, which I don't know why he thinks I want to pay for my son to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> so, my sisters, what would you do in this situation? I am experiencing the exact same thing with my child, who's a senior. My name is Erica Lasseter with Off the Field, and I am experiencing the exact same thing with my, ch my child. And he comes every game, and I don't want to get emotional either, but he comes every game, and he's discouraged. And I told him, there's not one coach, one player, or your father who will stop what God has for you. He's not going to get you into school. He's a mom, I'm trying to get a scholarship, and they're not throwing me the ball. He don't want to put me in the game. And he wants my husband to go talk to him. I said, well, that might not be a good thing, because that's going to never get you back in the game. But um, my husband did, and basically, you know, it was whatever the story was with him. But, um, and that was my, my thing to him. I said, he has no 
yes, you want a scholarship, but if you don't get it, you can be on a walk-on. Your hus- My husband did not get into the draft. He played 10 years in the league. His name never got called on the stage, but he still made it 10 years in the league. And, th- and that's what I share with him. They can't stop what God has for you. So that's what you should tell him. My situation is my husband's out of town. So he's not physically there, which is also a disadvantage. Because I think if he was physically there, you know, the you know, it would also play a difference. Like, you know, yeah, because my husband is, I mean, he, he, he doesn't really get called for that reason. Because mm-hmm. they won't play him because, you know, right. that, so he tries not to go to the coach. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just talking to Teresa, but <laughs> he just said her. Like, he, tried, he tries not to get too involved, but when he did get involved, it was basically, you know, don't just, don't make myself stand out. Angela, I was going to say, no matter you know how good your child is or isn't, and what's going on, make sure you support them. And to get back to the question of if you feel like they're going to play on the next level, whether it be college or it's that one in one million chance that they do get into a professional sport. Not only in your support of them, make sure that they have a team um, around them for, you know, make sure you're teaching them life skills because it's going to be more than just basketball. Make sure you teach them some budgeting and accounting and a way to help them so that they don't become a statistic of 80% or 78% bankruptcy and 60% divorce or whatever that is. So what I would say to you is as you are supporting them, make sure that you're laying the foundation for the stuff that really matters. Aranda? Um, yeah, Aranda Kirby with Play It Forward Sport Foundation. Um, I'm not married to a professional men's athlete. Um, but what, what we have seen with the parents especially, um, and we've worked with a lot of the Olympians, you know, we're, we're focused on the, the women's side of things, um, and they have so many less opportunities than the men do. So on the one hand, I'm so, it's so exciting to hear about all these opportunities that men have post their game life. Um, it's great that their, their companies have, because it is a business, right? It's all a business, have provided them facilities, you know, and access to resources that the women will never see. Um, unless Digit and I have something to say about that. <laughs> Hopefully they will see it. Um, but what, what strikes me in this conversation, in that conversation was you women, you women are amazing. You're, mm-hmm. you're the foundation and you're the rock behind these professional athletes. And, and I hope you all value yourselves as far as, as like I'm going to value what I'm taking away from this experience. Uh, you're just amazing. The, the things that you're talking about, you know, getting them up off the couch and, and shutting off cable and, and helping them assess the skills that they have. And it's, it's kind of like raising our children, right? That, that's what we do with our children. We give them that balance. And we say to them, we try to be as honest as we can, age appropriate, right? Well, you know, I don't really think you're going to play college hockey, but you're a great captain, at this level, you have, you're getting other skills from that sport experience. Um, I didn't play organized sports. It was a new world for me. My son went on to be the captain, captain of his football team. My daughter went on to be the captain of her ice hockey team. And I would sit there watching them compete. Neither one of them were great athletes, but they were great kids. Being captain, seeing their leadership skills, seeing their communication skills, seeing them negotiate with their peers. It's hard in high school. High school is hard enough, right? But when you have to be a peer leader, it's even harder. My kids got other things out of sports. And so as a parent, I would encourage you all to, to be part of those conversations. Even though you're not the pro athlete, your husband is, be part of the conversation. You're, you're a parent. You know, you're 50% of that conversation. Bring some balance to, to maybe your, your husband who might be a little over the top about their kids playing sports. Or bring some balance to your child who, who in the big spectrum, maybe not the best player on the team. 
but what skills do they bring to that team? A team is a unit and it's life skills. You're training them to have a job in life. You're training them. Maybe, maybe athletics. I know for my daughter, it helped her go to Brown University. I mean, she could have had a different academic experience, but the combination of being the captain of her team, being a girl ice hockey player and being smart got her to the most elite college experience that she could have. So as parents, just have the balance, have the conversations and ask your kids what they want. Sometimes you think you know what they want, but, they, but it's not what they want. They want to make you happy. Maybe that's what they want. So free them from that, that choice. You know, let them, let them make the choice that's right for them. Thank you, Aranda. So when, so when we, have, we see on TV these perfect careers, we see the marquee players highlighted. What about the challenges? Let's speak to some of the challenges, both players that are in the, here in the States in the NBA and in the NFL and MLB and as well as overseas, because a lot of the guys go end up going overseas from college or even after playing in the leagues in the States. Dina, you want to speak to some of the challenges that you faced? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of challenges. Okay, my name is Dina. Um, Dina, Dina Gabir. Dina Gaber. Dina Abdul is my brand. So me, Dina Gaber, that's my name. Um, I think... I just want to cover one topic over the children's thing real quick. I think there's also a lot of pressure on the mothers because you see your kids struggling with identity at a young age. My kids are young, so they don't, they don't know what they want to do yet. So we're encouraging them, encouraging them. I think also there's a lot of pressure on the mothers because we want them to be the best that they can be. And we want to make sure that they're healthy, their relationships are healthy, their environment's healthy and everything. Um, but so, like, for example, uh, if your child wants to play and the father doesn't agree, um, I actually didn't know how to handle that situation um, when it, when I faced it also. Um, so my son asked me, he's like, are you, well, are you going to teach me to play basketball? I'm like, I can do that. I used to play. Absolutely. Um, so I started taking him to camp. I go with him. I watch, I teach him. If he doesn't know anything, he's like, well, why daddy can't teach me? That's the pressure that we have is trying to explain that he's not a bad guy, but he just, you know, so we have to also explain to them. <laughs> we have to explain to them there are, you know, there's feelings involved and, you know, he might, he might not want that right now for us or what he doesn't want to pressure you and all that. So I think it's also important to, to let them know. Um, going to the struggles of, um, the, the level of, is that the question? Overseas. Okay. I didn't have any struggles overseas. I actually really enjoyed going overseas, but I noticed that my husband had struggles overseas because it is not the same as being in the NBA. Um, the NBA is very organized, very professional, um, very cutthroat. So, if, you know, if something happens, you know, but there's, you know, there's also foundation, there's resources, there's, if something happens, there's insurance, the struggles overseas consist of the business infrastructure of the game. So, for example, when we went to Morocco, there is no infrastructure. They can do whatever they want. They were gambling on the game. Who wins the game? It was the coaches. We're talking about coaches, the owners. So he saw that as this is a joke. He felt like he was in an environment that really wasn't respecting what he does. So that was one struggle. 
The other struggle was, of course, you know, communication. He didn't speak any Arabic. I went for him to finish his contract. I wanted to be that support system. That's okay. I'll be your translator. I found myself negotiating with the coaches. Well, if you want another contract, this is what it's going to be. So I tried to make situations easier for him. But there's going overseas is is much different than being in the NBA. So there's a lot of different, and it really also depends on the individual. Can he handle that situation? Does he feel like he's devalued as a player, or you know he might not like the country itself? He's you know it's different. So those were my struggles. I'm gonna close that out. Okay, bye. So, okay, everybody. I'm gonna jump back in. This is Dieta. We are at the top of the hour for the radio show live from the Synergy Conference in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Speak English Five Synergy Conference, Washington, D.C. Women in professional sports. We've had an amazing back-to-back panel with amazing panelists. We're going to keep going with the panel discussions and with the conference, but radio listeners, please make sure that you stay tuned to social media, at Synergy 5, at Speak English 5. Check us out. We will be tweeting and posting social media throughout the rest of the conference, throughout the rest of the day. Check out our pictures. Like us. Send us questions. Make sure that you tag us. Have your business, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us know how much you love the work we're doing. Gisette and Ajay English, big ups to you. Thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> this is amazing, amazing work. And for everybody listening to the show, thank you for joining us today. We love every minute of it, and we hope you have too. Please, please, please keep finding ways to make a dent in pursuit of your dreams, to serve your community, and to make our world better. Thanks again for tuning in. Please join Dieta Jones and Richard Dent for another edition of DJ and DeBear. We'll be back next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. 